It's me, Terry Flower. It's me, CLB. And this week we're joined by Dick Pierce. Block Rock and Beats. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> How's things, that? Dick? How are you, mate? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. For first podcast I've 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 come on, so hello. Girl, it's, hello it's, it's, it's such a, it's such an honor. But I have I have to say it's it's an honor coming in here to chat to you boys because I'm I'm a big fan of what you do. Uh, also, can I just say that you said the freshest podcast ever. I've never seen two more stylish lads. I mean, it's unreal. How do you just keep so fresh? Don't be flirting, man. Well, they're, they're already on the podcast. You don't need to flirt anymore. Like. Contracts are already signed. Deals, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got sent, by the way, and I, ha- I, have to, I have to deal with this. I got sent a great fucking singer. And I have to do it. It's the first good singer we've had in the world. Would rather be locked up in a room on your own and see nobody for a year or get locked up as normal in the joy for three years? Oh, I do the three year. Oh, after, about, after about three year, yeah. I, I do on my own for really? a year. No bother at all. You're looking for a bit of peace. <laughs> that's that's yeah. like heaven to be honest. <laughs> peace and quiet for a year, just sitting there. Yeah. Would I, you lose I, your marbles after a year of no? I only heard the thing the other day. I can't remember what I was watching, but it's something to do. I can't remember what I was watching now. It's wrecking my head, but it was something to do with people being isolated and how that's how mental issues develop and I said that that's why in prison you're already in prison yeah. your liberties have been took away your freedoms took away so how do you punish someone who's already in that boat you take them away from everyone else that's and you put well, them that, on their that own is. that's what solitary well, confinement is that's what is. happens yeah exactly so that's punishment after the punishment is being on your own in solitary confinement and he said that's when the issues start Jeez. to develop well, you've got and, too much time in your own headspace so you're over, over oh, everything and that, that's just so maybe I've changed my mind but yeah. initially it sounded very appealing <laughs> but when you think about it two more yeah I know but two more years with everybody though and like in normal prison life so you'll so get you into the room with other people so like it'd be, you'd have a cellmate probably you wake up beside someone every day but maybe uh, but like you're going out and you're, doing, you're in that routine though you're getting out of your cell you're doing your thing now, you're don't get me wrong hard, I'm not trying to make prison sound appealing yeah. but in those two scenarios I'm taking the three years it's a cracker though it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting scenario but I think I, think, I, think I still take the year <laughs> the year solo yeah <laughs> After all that, yeah, just give me the year. Always playing devil's advocate there. I'd go through the year as well, yeah. Yeah. I'd need that bit of company. Bit yeah. of socialising. Imagine me on my own, Calvin, for a year. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I wouldn't mind seeing you after the year with the, the hair and the beard. Imagine that. No hair cutting all boys. What? That's bird? true, yeah. The Someone send them the picture. Hey, once a week, Shabby. What? Yeah, once, oh, a week. once every five days. Yeah, no, sometimes I had, I had to get two haircuts last week. I, on, of course, course they had the live shows. Yes, yeah, so yeah, of course they couldn't do a live show without getting a hair. I'm just saying for gigs. Yeah, I had the podcast awards on the Tuesday, so I got a cut Tuesday morning, then I got a cut Thursday as well because the live show was on the Friday. Yeah, you'd have to. Otherwise, you'd have a bad show. Yeah, or like, you have that's, to that's a fact. <laughs> There's a science point. <laughs> it is. It's not, you're not wrong. Do you know what? Dick, but you come out with a buzz, like endorphins are flowing. So yeah. you come out on definitely because yeah. you do look fre- you do you look fresher. I think you're. I think you look. Like you got more of a tan as well. You've got kind of a more a glow. Yeah, you got a glow yeah. about you. When you get the haircut, you put the seal on. Yeah, it doesn't matter what happens. You yeah. can fall out on that stage now. You're fresh. You have the seal on and the fresh. And you'd be over analyzing yourself in the mirror as well when you have the suit on. If you have the long hair, so you'd be going like, "Jeez, I wish that was a bit fresher." On the <laughs> so yeah. That's the zinger, anyways. Anyone else? Well, no, I'm, 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 I'm so happy to be in here as well because I, I, I heard about you boys and and uh, be, 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 like be, before I'd ever listened to a, a, a podcast, 
I mean, you, you guys, like, uh, my, my wife works for uh, Pleasant Street Youth Reach. And, you know, the, the lads would have been coming in every day talking about whatever mixes. She's that they, doing God's that, walk anyway. She, she is. She's, oh, she's unbelievable. The work yeah. they do is absolutely it's sensational. Yeah. Absolutely unreal. But, you know, the, the lads in her youth three centre in, in Pleasant Street would have been coming in talking about, you know, the, the latest mixes by Robbie G or Jay Cullen or whatever. And then one day they came in and they were, they were chatting about you boys. Mm. Uh, so the, the work that you guys are doing is, is, is sensational, uh, mm. you know, so... No, we appreciate that, Deck, and like I said, the, the work your missus is doing is unbelievable as well. That's what we need for young kids. We talk, talk all the time about youth work and youth reach centres and stuff like that, and that is essential for young kids, and they're the people who are trying to reach as well, the youngless who are going into these youth reach centres. We're all that mates, and we're trying to believe and inspire them and give them a good message to yeah. kind of go by and show them that you can, doesn't matter where you're from or what you do, you can actually do anything in the world once you put your fucking mind to something but the teachers and, and what they do as well like yeah. you know what I mean for, from, from Kate's point of view she she brings it home with her the whole time so yeah. they, they know like the, the lads that she's teaching that you know they know they can get her anytime so I've, yeah. I've seen her answering calls you know Saturday morning Sunday night or whatever it is so uh, but no but the, the, like the, the lads all listen to you and that's where I heard about you guys you guys first so so fair play to you keep up the amazing work mm. Legend, thanks very much thank you um, right it brings us on to the next topic the morning topic Um it's regards to Thursday and the events that happened. Um, yeah, this so this is not easy for us, Dick. And Thursday into Friday really, really was a hard period for myself and Terence separately without even communicating with each other. I could feel it in him and I'm sure he could get it from me as well. What happened Thursday morning? Well, Thursday afternoon, sorry. Um, I remember when the news was breaking through, I was actually... Shaking, yeah. I actually stopped walking and everything. I couldn't, couldn't focus. Obviously, being a father as well, you know what I mean. You, you put yourself in these scenarios in your head, and you just you can't grasp what's happening in reality. I know there's still news coming out, and all I can say is, I hope that scumbag never sees the light of day. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't no, really know was... where to go with this one, but. And that's well, okay as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's okay because I was I was in the same situation on 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 Friday because obviously I live in Ringsend. I I could I could hear what was going on on Thursday night. Um, I could hear the choppers. I could hear all that sort of mess and all that kind of stuff going on. But you know, waking up on on Friday morning and going in on the on, on the school run with, with Ava, I said it on air on my show felt different there was there was a heavy heavy cloud hanging over the city and and, and over over the country as well um and it's a lot to process and it's okay to, to struggle to process it to be honest with you because i i have i that's what happened to me on on on, on friday i, I had a, i had a banging headache for for the whole day and i was coming in to do the the, the radio show and my radio show com, comes on after matt cooper and it's all dance tunes and it's all up tempo and feel good, and I try and do that. But I, I, I genuinely had to reach out to the gang and work here and I, in in today FM, and I said, I said, um, I don't know how to to address this. And anyway, what what I did was I just went in and, and I, I I had a, a chat from the heart because and I tried to 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 get a sense of what what everyone was feeling. And I, I think it, the conclusion I got from the feedback I got from from the messages that came into the studio after I spoke about it, everyone was feeling the exact same way, um, and heartbreak mm. just, just f- full on proper heartbreak and anger as well mm. so you know? no one should have to fear dropping their kids off to school no one should ever do that not, not in this country not in this day and age never then the events that follow that and I understand everyone is outraged but the events that follow that night is not going to help anybody no. and 
the way they went about it. I understand you can be absolutely furious. You'd be, you'd be wrong not to be. There's no one out there that's disagreeing with you for being outraged about yeah. what happened on Thursday afternoon. Mm. But the events and the actions taken then by people on Thursday evening is not going to help with how we're going to tackle this problem. And then the events that follow on after that is a lot of finger pointing. When realistically, we are all kind of in the same boat. Yeah. The government has a lot to answer for here. They're not informing people of what's going on. They're not handling the policies. They're not handling these situations. And we're all just left to fight it out amongst ourselves. And online, all you have to do is look online. It's like, well, if you agree with this, then you can't agree with that. And it, that's not the case. You while think- everybody's fighting with each other, there's young kids. That's what that's, yeah. And that's what's been nearly left behind. Well, that's what, the, I mean, initially when, when we woke up on Friday morning, all the headlines and all the photographs on, on, on the front were, were talking about the, the buses on fire and all that. And how sad is that? Like, there's, yeah. there's a young girl fighting for her life. Yeah. And all the mainstream media, like we predicted and like we knew would happen, would be covered by what had happened later on that night. And it's wrong for... I don't know how anybody thought Luton Footlocker and the ASIC shop and smashing up a fire brigade and burning a Dublin bus would help the situation. Yeah, and, it and just took the limelight off that little girl, that teacher, the kids, the families, the, the heroes. And as, exactly the heroes. And that, that's something that you guys, we, we should be talking about as well, is the... Is the, the the first respondents, the, like the, the the paramedics who were down, I don't know how they do their job. They're absolute angels walking amongst us. Mm. Uh, I've got I've got friends that work in in the hospitals as well, um, and what they do, the work they do, is just incredible. And that's what we should be focusing on as well. Is 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 the heroes that that, that came down, that teacher, you know, um, mm. the, the 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 chap that got off the bike and you know, clobbered your man over the head. Ciao, Warren. Yeah. I don't know, the, the French guy and the girl that was at the Stardust inquest and stuff like that. Like, these people are absolute heroes. Mm. Build fucking statues of them. Like, yeah. they, they've done God's work there. Mm. The first responders on the, the scene. Am, the ambulance service and the Dublin Fire Brigade. Like, mm. Jesus Still Christ, like, big. unbelievable mm. stuff. Like, and, like, my point was, like, that tragic event happened and it got overshadowed mm. by in my opinion, stupidity. But anger just pointed in the wrong direction. Right? Exactly, yeah. So it's, I, I don't like to say stupidity because I don't want to put anybody down because everybody has a right to be angry after what happened. This mm. whole country went into shock. Our community, we're from the north inner city. Mm. It was, it's, it's the worst I've ever felt in the community. Mm. Everything just felt tight, tense, mm. nasty. Nothing felt right. You can protest all you want. You can be angry, outraged. I just didn't see the point of looting the shops because it takes the limelight off what actually happened. They don't, this, did, they don't did everything. Do and the knock-on effect that's going to have is when people do organise a rally or a protest uh, in a structured way, mm. people are going to come down even heavier on it now and be like, oh, well, this is going to lead to another riot when that's not the case. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it is going to overshadow it. Um, I think... There's no, there's not a single person in this, on this planet who's gonna be looking at you weird for being angry about what happened on Thursday morning. There's not, no one out there is gonna disagree with you over that. But it's how we go about this. And as Terence was saying, it's just hate and misled anger. We're, we're all just left fighting against each other. And like, just go online, go online. And 
you were right in what you're saying. Like people have the right to go out and protest, but just be careful of who you're getting your information off and not to be misled because there there is sinister people out there who are using this. So just take a step back and realise it. Of course, we all hope your man rots. We all hope that happens and we all hope that the government handled this because there was a lot of questions to be raised there. And yeah, I think this is going to be the start of something going forward now. If we can all just align and stop finger pointing at each other and point the finger at Lenza House, we can get something done here. It's, it's become a race war and a class war. Correct. Overnight. Everybody who is of colour is evil and everybody who wears a tracksuit and are from the inner city are evil mm. and everybody is just pointing fingers at each other the same way it was and has been for the last few months or the last year or so with everything that's gone on everybody's pointing the finger at each other I like the old saying going from Emma Kerwin it wasn't blokes in tracksuits throughout the country it was blokes in suits but now everybody is here pointing at the bloke in the tracksuit for being angry and running the muck in town. Like, there's people asking us for statements, Dick. Like, mm. you just better make a statement and tell people that that was wrong. We don't have to sit here or go online and explain to people. We shouldn't have to go online and say, don't smash up a fire brigade, that's wrong. And don't loot a shop, because that's... We know obvious. that's wrong. That's so obvious. obvious. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I will say it until I'm blue in the fucking face. There's a little girl fighting for her life in hospital. There's people at the being involved in a tragic, tragic situation that we've never seen before in this city or country. And the focus is on people robbing shops. Mm. And now every working class person is now evil. And every person who's not from Ireland is now evil because of what this dirty scumbag <coughs> is after doing. Well, that's not the case. On Thursday, I was in town Obviously not at the fucking riots or whatever. We just happened to be there when it all came We off. were in town. And on my way home, I seen two blokes that looked maybe in their mid-40s punching the head of some Spanish girl. She was dark, pretty girl, looked in her mid-twenties. They battered her until loads of people ran over and jumped in, screaming, far north, get out of the country, all this stuff. As some girl walking down the road... For no reason. That girl got bet to a pulp before people got to her. They punched her around because she's a different colour skin. How do you just talk that. about that and justify that? And Like we said, the, everyone's, everyone's angry. Everyone's right to be angry. You're going to batter someone because they have a different colour skin to you. Mm. You're, you're really going to do that. I've had messages off people, off people of colour on Instagram texting me and telling me they're in fear for their life. The players, players try and help and give guidance. They're afraid to leave the house after what happened. And there's so many good people out there. This colour of your skin does not define who you are and what you do with your life. Kate teaches some of those people. My, my wife does. Mm. She's, she, she was fully aware. And, mm. and I, was, I was hearing the fear. Do you mm. know what I mean? When it was all happening. So, mm. um, That's touching on the racist side of it. I want to just highlight the, the classes side of it because something happened to me Friday morning that really... It, it knocked me off for the whole day. I got a phone call from a news outlet asking for a comment about what happened the night before. And I was like, you're asking me for a comment on something that I'm still trying to process when there's a child fighting for their life. And the response they gave me was, I know it's mad that we're talking about Lewis's and buses being on fire when that's happening. I was like, you rang me. I'm not talking about what you are. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. That, and then there's a depiction of what a scumbag looks like now going around online as well compared to the delivery driver who stepped in. And fair play to him. What what was his name? Ch- Chow, Chow, wasn't yeah. it? Chow. Fair play to him. Unbelievable fella hero, as you said. But then it's comparing him to a fella and he has a tracksuit and a G-Lane runners on. And it's like, well, this is the problem now. So that's the punching down happening. Mm. That's classism. You know what I mean? People ringing us being like, you're the de facto voice of these people. And it's like a gotcha moment. It's like, right, explain this now. How are you going to justify what's at the happening? Again, that's people pointing the fingers at us. We should be pointing the fingers up. The wrong people. Exactly. Yeah. It just, these issues just are not explained. When the government do something, they don't explain it to people at all. And then you just hear, oh, the guy that got involved here when we tried to confront this politician, oh, blah, blah, blah. There's ways of going about this. And again, if you're protesting outside a hotel or an office block where there's refugees being housed, the government don't give a bollocks. The government don't give a fuck about them areas. You can't persuade that government. You don't affect their day-to-day life. You don't affect their paycheck. You don't vote for these people anyways. They don't care. Go to Leinster House. Go out. When the next election comes around, you're going to see a surge. You will affect putting money in their pocket if you don't vote for them yeah. and you vote for somebody else. And that's when you'll see a change in your area. That's when you see a change in your community. But as it stands now, putting all these little gotchas up online, here's a video saying, well, you're bad. Oh, here's another video with a better sound saying, well, you're actually bad. Not helping anybody. It's just distracting. That's all it is. We're being divided. Yeah. You could feel it building and building and building, couldn't you? Mm. For years. Yeah, mm. like we, we knew we had a live show on Friday and we knew we were going to have to address this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then even after addressing it to the crowd, we knew over the weekend we're going to have to address it again on the actual podcast. Yeah. But yeah. It's, oh. it's a sad situation. Like it I is. said, at the it's end horrible. of the day, there's people at the main in a tragic situation and they, they should be at the forefront of everybody's thoughts. 100%. Everybody should be concerned about them and their families. And their families and their friends Keep and, the, and, other, their the, other, and, the, and yeah. the other kids that, that are in that school. And, 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 and every parent that has a fucking yeah. child that brings their kids to school. And what I would like to say is, for the near future, I would like to see some presence of some authority outside most schools or every school if possible. Yeah. Because like we've seen a couple of months ago, there was free money coming out of the ATMs or what you like to call free money and there was a copper at every ATM in Dublin. You couldn't go up and just take that money out. Mm. If they were willing and able to have a copper at every ATM machine because there was money coming out of the machine, which you would have been able to track regardless, we should have some authority, some guard of presence or any sort of presence outside schools for the foreseeable just until people are at ace mm. and just remember going forward an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth will leave us all mumbling and blind so we're not we're just going to keep going around in circles and the people that are unaffected and lying in their pockets are just laughing at us so I think we spent a lot of time on this that's very well said lads you've addressed it very well and I can see you can see in your faces I can see the tension and, yeah it's, and a to- it is it's a horrible deck, yeah. horrible deck like I don't know, we've been fucking... I didn't know there'd be that kind of pressure on you guys to make a, to make a statement about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was well, listening there going, seriously? But, but uh, it's, it's just from the heart, like, we're not going to come out here with a piece of paper and address the nation like mm-hmm. Poxy, Barack Obama or something, you know what I mean? We just want to... Tell you how we feel, this is it. Show you how you we know. feel, and it's sensitive, and it's tough to talk about, and it's emotional. And I, I have a bit of a lump in my throat now, like, you know what I mean? But, but it is, but like, as Terrence said, it's from the heart, and you can see that. And it's a horrible situation to be in, but for everybody, we're not saying, oh, look at us, Pete, us, for everybody. I, I know, I've seen people who I grew up with, family members, childhood friends, I can see it in their posts online. Yeah. They're just concerned. Yeah. So I'm, I won't, 
I won't criticise people for being angry because you have every fucking right to be. I understand that. What is saying to just people? Just point them in the right direction. Right direction. Let's get this episode off and running because we started off on such a high note, but we had that was just the elephant in the room. Deck, you've handled it very well. Let's. Thanks very much. How are you? What's your name? Where'd you come from? <laughs> uh, my name's Deck Pierce. I'm from Ring's Ed, um, and I do a radio show called Block Rock and Beats. I think you know that though. I just, yeah. <laughs> I think you both know it at yeah, this stage. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, no, what was yeah. like, like growing up for you, Deck? Um, yeah, I mean, music for music for me has always been a part of of, of my life. To be honest with you, um, is it's been something that, that that you know I've I've for as long as I can remember, five six, you know, listening to music at home and and being a DJ and being involved in music is is something that that that, that I've always wanted to do. Never thought that it would it would snowball into what it is now, not even remotely. And there were times, even on the journey where I where I left music and, and DJing and focused on, on other things. But yeah, no, music's been a massive part of my life. I mean, gr- growing up, I, I grew up, uh, uh, well, sort of everywhere, to be honest with you. Uh, my my, my, my mum's side of the family are all from Ring's End. Uh, my, my dad's side are from Mary. My, my, my dad's dad was from Dorset Street. So we're, we're all, we're all, we're all, we're all, we're all like, proper, we're all your proper. parents are cousins, eh? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. That's where the fresh air thing comes into play. He was, he was a barber, sorry. Yeah, he was a barber. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, music was, it was a massive part of my life. I was actually very, a, a very quiet kid. Uh, really, really quiet, and you would you, you wouldn't think that now with, with what you see. If you, no, you, got, you wouldn't. If, if you go, if you go to a show or, or even, my, my chosen career do you know what I mean mm. to, to, to DJ or even to talk on radio but no I was, I was a very quiet kid and music became like um, a part of my personality I, I was in when I was in primary school I was extreme I mean, I'm, I'm extremely tall now but when I was 11 yeah 11, 12 I was 6 foot 2 um, so I was I was, a, I was an awkward kind of kid I was, I was a proper tall proper lanky or whatever the word yeah. is do you know what I mean like, but uh so I was bullied. I was bullied in school, um, and I, fa- I found primary school. I I I actually loved school, but uh, but but I, but I, I was bullied, um, possibly because of my height. And I had some great pals as well. But music became like a, a therapy for me, to be honest with you. I used to go go home, and it was like an alter ego. Um, and I'd, I'd listen to, to, to music at home and, and, you know, I used to, there's, there's videos and photographs of me talking into my ghetto blaster, pretending to do a radio show. So this became like a, a kind of an alter ego for me. And that, and that, that continued even in, into my teens um, and my obsession. But I, like growing up, it would have been a, a diet of, and no one would have taught this because I was so quiet and so shy, but it would have been like Guns and Roses and things like that, you know. Uh, but I was always obsessed with, with instrumental tracks. So I used to get lo- loads of pop 12-inch records and I used to listen to the, the B-side because it was, it was instrumental. I was always obsessed with, you know, instrumental music and stuff. Like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that bullying from, from primary school sort of, sort of carried on into, into secondary and into, into my personality. And, and I used to hate going out. So, I, I, you know, I, going to my first uh, disco or whatever, you know, I, all I ever wanted to do was behind, be behind the decks. Um, so I ended up working towards trying to become a DJ. And, and the DJ thing was... The, the DJ box was was my safe zone because I was so shy and and sort of so awkward or whatever you know. So that was your dream, like from as early as you can remember, really. From, from as early as I can remember, it was yeah. Um, I, but it, but I said it was it was it was an alter ego. It was like a a split personality, like an escape. Like, it was yeah, like like like, like an escape. escape yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, all the, I mean, the, the early days growing up in the nineties was was amazing. I mean, the the obsession with Guns and Roses. And and even pop stuff, you know, like the the 80, late eighties pop stuff, swiftly moved into 
into the early 90s rave scene. Uh, and then I was hooked with the likes of The Prodigy, you know, uh, and Alternate, SL2, all that sort of stuff. But it was kind of, it was quite different at the time growing up. Like there was, most of the lads that were in my class were into rock and grunge, um, you know, and that sort of stuff. And I always thought there was something, because I was so nice and shy and quiet, there was something quite rebellious about the early 90s dancing, the, the, the rave scene, you know what I mean? The illegal raves and, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh Anytime you hear anybody talking about the early 90s rave scene, you just see happiness in their eyes, don't you? That's what it was. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, you just yeah. see pure yeah. happiness actually, and love yeah. in their eyes. It, it's no PTSD in their eyes. <laughs> it's, all, it's always with a glint, isn't it? <laughs> when I talk about growing up and my little rave scene kind of thing, oh, you have to fear to God. I'm like, oh, yeah. I never want to go back to it. Do you yeah. get me? People from the early 90s. It's a glint. Yeah. <laughs> They fucking well, love it. Uh, the, yeah, but it wasn't... Now, now you can... Like, it's assessment. I have a radio show on Today FM, a, a nationwide station, and they they gave me a, a dance music show. But growing up in the 90s, it was quite different, and it was quite underground and alternative, and no mainstream radio wanted to play it, and that made me love it more. So I used to, I used <coughs> to listen to all the early 90s pirate stations, like Sunset and all that sort of stuff. And then I sort of... You know, I, I, I spent ages trying to to get a radio show. I was never really interested in, in the, the, the gigs side of things. The gigs kind of followed afterwards. It was, it was, I, I loved playing music because I knew, I suppose that's probably part of the sort of the shy, awkward kid that was bullied. It was, I used to play music and I used to see the reaction that I had, even with family members. I used to see that it made people happy. Mm. Do you know that kind of way? So to me, the ultimate was, getting a radio show where I could play this type of music and people could listen and I could get a get get a, a, a buzz off people. Mm. So um how were you going about getting a radio show then? Like how was that even in your thoughts and then how were you going about that? That's the thing, because like back then there was no social media yeah. or, or ways in. It was a tricky thing to do and no commercial like FM one oh four or or spin or ninety eight or any says where weren't they weren't playing dance music. So it was you had to get your tunes through to pirates, and there was there was very there was, there was no way that you could train. Do you know what I mean? You, you had to get a a pirate radio gig. So um, I remember one night I was I was fifteen, and um, I I hadn't got the courage to phone up. I wanted to phone up the pirate station. There was there was a, a station in Ballybrack, which was near where I was living at the time, called Coast, and uh, I hadn't got the courage to phone up. So we uh, we were at a family barbecue. I was fifteen, and my dad gave me a can of beer. And uh, I scolded a can of beer, and I got uh, Dutch proper, proper Dutch yeah. courage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I went into the room, and I picked up the phone, and I phoned up, and I said, "Hi, how's it going?" Uh, I, I ended up the station manager answered the phone, um, and I convinced him to to give me a show. I said, "Look, I'm, I'm into dance music. Uh, any chance you'll give me a shot or whatever?" So I called over to the house, and my 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 first radio show was from a bedroom. In, in Ballybrack, it was a it was a two hour dance show on a Wednesday night, and that was my first intro into. So, what way does poor? That's an illegal radio station. Yeah, and they openly have the phone number out there. They had, yeah, they had, yeah, and they used to get raided. They, like they they would have gotten raided, and they, they got closed down. They might have got their gear confiscated, uh, and then they'd pop up somewhere else, and then they'd get the aerial back up, and they they broadcast again. But there were some huge like super pirate, super pirates in 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 the nineties. Sunset was it was a massive one for dance music. Club FM. Um, and I ended up on, on a station called Coast, which ended up becoming Phantom, which ended up becoming TXFM, which ended up became a, a rock station. It was, it was mostly rock, uh, but I, I, got, I got a dance music show there. Um, it was two turntables, 
a tape deck, uh, a dodgy CD player, a microphone that didn't work uh, in a bedroom in Ballybrack. And that's where I did my, my, my first show. And I, I worked hard at it. I, I had fuck all music. It's, it's, by the way, it's still a novelty that I can curse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had fuck all music. So I kind of based it off, I based my shows off a couple of CDs and a couple of records that I had. And then I, I, I built up, but um, then I ended up sending my demo off to another station, uh, Pulse FM, which had some amazing talent come through, the likes of Mark McCabe and Al Gibbs and, and, a, and a few DJs like that. Um, and I ended up getting a Sunday morning show on, on Pulse FM. And that's kind of how I, I spent my sort of mid to late to late 90s. And it was, it was very, it was quite contrast to, to, the, to the bloke that, that, that I was, as in the, the, the pirate side of things um, and the illegal. But that made us even, even more appealing. I was quite a good kid in school. Yeah. Um, you know, so. How were the pirate stations making money? They used to make the money from gigs. So from gigs, from gigs yeah, yeah. They, they, they would have taken a couple of ads, so they, they might have got that. That still blows my mind, though. Like, so imagine me, I don't know, I have a shop, Calvin's Corner Shop, wherever, and I'm gonna advertise on Dex Radio Show. Here's a hundred quid to, to plug me show or whatever, and yeah. you're about to plug in the guy to raise your station. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was, yeah. You know, but, but there was they, they, they had huge, they had huge audiences, like at one point. Uh, Pulse, I, I think, we're, we're had had a higher listenership in Dublin for a, the youth audience than you know s- some of the commercial stations that were that, that were huge at the time. Um, but yeah, they used to do they used to do ads for like clothing sh- shops or whatever, and then they would have run gigs. So like Pulse would have done a couple of massive gigs in the likes of the Temple Theatre. Yeah, like the, so like if you were doing a gig, yeah. So like you're on the radio on this yeah. poor station, you're like this Saturday night at the ten to whatever we're playing in the Temple Theatre. But well, the guard not to show up and be like, grab him. He's running that station. You see, no, it was, it was, it was. It, they would have been more fixated on trying to catch you doing the broadcast. So they would have had to tr- track down where you're broadcasting from. Uh, yeah, say, uh, Coast was in in Ballybrack in a house there. Um, Pulse was in the back garden of a house in Clontarf. <laughs> this is um, mental. Uh, this is and, deadly. And and we we the, like we used, we used to go in there. I used to go around the, the, the side of the house and lovely family living there. And one of the the the, the, the son of the lad that was living there, Ronan, was was. Uh, like his his parents were living in the house and his mom would be bringing me out cups of tea and stuff and biscuits and all that. Um, I know it was, it was it was just something that was huge. In, I actually kind of forget that that's not really the case anymore. You know what I mean? But it was huge in Dublin in 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 the nineties. And um, but yeah, we used to go. I used to go around and do the radio show, and then some nights you'd be there. I might do a Saturday night dance show or whatever. It was like, Pulse was all dance music, um, and you know, I sometimes miss it because you'd be, you'd be going into the, to do the show and you bring in a six pack and you'd be opening up a can of beer on air and you'd be, you'd be sculling over. But yeah, I, I did that for like, I did that from 95 to 1999 uh, and then we closed down uh, Pulse and we tried to go for a license which we didn't get. What were the gigs like? Gigs were amazing. I mean, the gigs were wild. I, I, I was so young. I was, I, I started when I was, when I was 15 so I would have been gigging in clubs in town looking back at it. Fuck. I would have been gigging in clubs in town that I, I wasn't old enough to get into. And like, Lord knows what show I was playing, to be honest with you, looking back again. But I, uh, the, the, the gigs were, like the actual Pulse FM gigs that we did, they were, they were incredible. That's where Maniac started. Like we, we, we did, Mark McCabe did Maniac one night. That, that was originally Four Rhythm Maniac, um, SoundCloud, remix of that track. And a lot of DJs used to do a rap over us. DJ Wicked, Al Gibbs, Mark did it that particular night. And that night we broadcast the gig on air and and it, it, it went absolutely nuts afterwards and then two years later it was released as, as, as Maniac 2000 but the gigs were, were wild they were nuts 
but we were all so young and so innocent. And sometimes we did do broadcasts from the gigs. We would have had a studio. We did one. We did. We used to do a couple of gigs in um, a place that was. They used to be around called Deep Nightclub, uh, which was in the Slorgan Park Hotel. And we take over that every couple of weeks. And we used to do a couple of you know radio shows from the from behind the DJ box. It was mad. It was wild. Um, but it was really, really special and an incredible training ground. Do you know what I mean? Like, and mm. what the DJs that were doing the radio shows would have sort of promoted themselves um, on air. So, because you didn't have Twitter, Instagram, blah, 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 selfies, all this shit. You, I didn't even have a mobile phone. Like, I had a mobile phone. I was in fifth class and I was the first person to have a mobile phone because I was doing gigs. Cause, you know, fleshy, fleshy, <laughs> coming in, making a few quid doing gigs. But I, I, I gigged all the way through the 90s and that was my safe zone. That's back to... The, the awkward kid, mm-hmm. uh, the, the awkward, shy, really tall kid that wasn't very confident leaving primary school and going into secondary school. And then I went into secondary school, I went to a school called St. Michael's. Um, and uh, I, got, I, got, I, I threw myself into sport um, because I, I felt that was another part of my personality that I wanted to develop that was going to give me confidence. Um, but, but yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I was in school and then when I was finished school, I go to the radio station I, I do a show and that continued into my early days in college and I used to I used to sometimes go into school and maybe Mitch off or if I was going to college I'd get, get off the train come back in and then and then do a radio show but it was yeah it, they were wild days What did your family and friends think of you doing this? It's a great question because because um, my, my family were insanely supportive of it um, and that was that was amazing for me. Mm. My, uh, my, my, my parents and my grandparents, when they were alive, they used to drop me off at, at the, the, the radio stations. And I, they knew that it was illegal, but they saw how much happiness it, it brought me. But again, with the, with, the, with the dance music scene, and this is where sort of there was, there was some people that used to frown on it, but the dance scene, when I used to be chatting to some of my mates' parents, they would have said, you know, are your parents not concerned about you? you know, because you're in with that dancing and it's the uns, uns, uns and it's the drugs. And I was like the cleanest living fucker ever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, there was, the, the, there, was a, there was a lot of, it was quite different at the time. And, you know, I, I used, um, so, you know, yeah, it was a little bit rebellious, but, I, but again, I loved that. That was, I didn't really drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do any drugs. So that was my crazy uh, streak if you know what I mean and, mm. and it was like a, an expression it was an outlet for me it was a p- part of my personality but yeah a, a lot of a lot of parents of, of pals of mine or you know whatever w- would have would have frowned upon it and although know, illegal uh, though it's not like as if you are banging in with the gear yeah. no no that's it it was just an illegal broadcast yeah. but, but there was a harmless like yeah, yeah but there was there was a sort of a there was a, a, a thing about dance music at the time. And, and again, it wasn't commercial. That's why a lot of the commercial stations that were, that were legitimately broadcasting weren't broadcasting dance stuff because there was sort of seen as a, a rough scene. Yeah. There was a lot of drugs Stick around it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and while, you know, that, while that, that was the case, in, you know, in, in, in certain clubs you went to or in certain, you know, I, I, I never saw any of that, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? So, but, uh, but yeah, it was quite rebellious. But I, 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 I got... The, the gigs side of me was always secondary to the radio thing. I wanted to get the radio show and I never wanted to get the radio show. I, 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 I said this before, I never wanted to get the radio show to be famous because there was no fame. There was, there was no money. There was no social media. It was just, I, I loved playing music and I loved the reaction that music 
got from people. So if I was doing, when I eventually got into gigs, that was such a buzz. It was such a high. You'd be going to do, I, my mates would be all on the piss and I'd be DJing at those gigs. So, you know, I'd be watching the ball and I, I got a, an absolutely massive buzz from that. And it was addictive, to be honest with you. I, mm. and, and, and it still is. Mm. It still is to, to this day. But, uh, but yeah, I used, I, used to, I used to run gigs as well. I used, to, I used to run teenage discos and all that sort of stuff when I was probably only about three years older than people that were going along to them as well. And uh, I had more money then than I have now, to be honest. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a great time. But it, was, it was a heady, heady time. But I, yeah, I used to do a lot of... A lot of uh, Teenage discos and, and things like that, and uh, they they were they were amazing days. A, a, a gig called Escape at a, a, in a, a, we took over a rugby club uh, in Bective, uh, Bective in, in Donnybrook, and uh, used to fill it every week. It was it was it was an amazing amazing buzz. This is going to be so nostalgic for so many people listening mm. to this. Them, yeah. you know, I'm just waiting on all the messages yeah. to come in to tell us about all these illegal stations <laughs> and everything everyone got up there. Mm. Like I'm actually looking for like. If you are around them days, let us know what it was like, and because we always say we would love to go back there for a year. Just yeah. give me a year back there. And it was it was tricky. It was, tri- it was tricky enough yeah. to get your tunes as well. No, but imagine being like of an age in yeah. the early nineties. Give me one year there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it was. I was very lucky. I've often said that to people that, that 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 I grew up with, like a lot of the DJs. We were we were lucky. We were we were blessed because there was an innocence about it, yeah. and uh, it wasn't a showboaty kind of thing. Um, it wasn't to be famous. It was just. We were all kind of geeky, being honest with you. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and, and we, we just we, we love music, but but dance music has been a part of my life for for as long as, long as I can remember. And it wasn't easy to get the dance tunes as well. You had to go into certain shops, like the likes of HMV and Virgin Megastore and all that, weren't really selling stuff. They they might have had a little section down the back, down the basement, but there was places like Abbey Discs where you would have gone in, and they would have had to. You, you might have gone into Abbey Discs and asked them for a tune like SPQ or, you know that. And they'd have to order it in and they'd, they'd, you'd, you'd be waiting a couple of weeks and then you go back, you get mm. bus into town, you go into McDonald's or whatever, Burke, you go over and pick up your, your, your bag of records and off you go. So, um, yeah, they were, they were amazing days, like absolutely unbelievable. So after this, what, what comes next for you then? So you're obviously doing the gigs and setting up your own bits here and there. What comes after that? Yeah, I, 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 well, Pulse closed down and that was the end of the, 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 the pirate thing for me. And, and um, I, was, I was lucky because it sort of it bridged over. I was, I was at an age where I felt I could start looking for work on legal stations. And I often felt going into the legal stations or sending in a, in a demo, I, I felt like, oh, that's your man, the pirate. He's coming here now. He's looking for a gig. But um, I, ended, I, ended up, I ended up, the radio thing took over for, for a long time. I used to, to do the gigs and that was taken away for a while. But I got really quickly involved in um, in legal radio, I ended up on FM one hundred four really quickly, and, and ended up there for for a long, long time. Um, and uh, suddenly, I, f- I found myself in the job that that I wanted since I was fifteen, without expecting it. And then life sort of snowballed, and then suddenly I was like, "All right, I'm in this industry for life now. I don't know what else to do." Because you know, I I, I went to, I went to school, I went to college. I've got a degree in economics, but I never wanted to. <laughs> I never wanted to use it. I I, I went to Maynooth. It was to, it's uh, chalk and cheese. Yeah, it? but I used to be going. I used to be going. I used to get get off the. I used to get off the train in Maynooth, and I'd uh, I go into my lectures and and uh, you know, I'd be falling asleep at lecture. I would have gotten the train straight back to Dublin. Um, to do, but I was determined. To, I was determined to see it out. You know, I was encouraged by my parents. My, my parents encouraged the DJ and they said to me look at like if we're going to support you with that have a little fallback or whatever so I ended up getting a degree in economics 
uh, and, I, and then I became heavily involved in, in, in radio. And then before I knew it, I was in management in FM 104. And then um, 98 FM head, headhunted me and I moved across to 98 FM. Um, uh, I ended up for a year, it's part of my life I nearly forget about, but I ended up for a year in a radio station in Liverpool uh, called Juice FM, which is now Capital. Uh, and I had my own breakfast show there. So I spent... That's uh, huge over there, isn't it? I had, a, I had one of the best years of my life in Liverpool. Went over there and they... they I, I got a breakfast show, so it was the Deck Pierce breakfast show. And uh, it was a station like Spin, 103.8. It was that kind of um, dance and R&B sort mm. of stuff. Uh, they're Capital FM now, but I spent a year there and I did some incredible gigs and we, we, we did Ibiza that year. Um, and uh, suddenly then I was, I was in, it, in, in it and it was a job and um, that, that continued right up to, up to present day, bouncing around different radio stations and I left it for a little while. Uh, I got completely sort of, um, I just got disillusioned to be honest with you, with, with, with DJing and, and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and then the, I, I ended up in 2FM for a little while and then I was going to completely knock my music career on its head after starting it when I was 15. Um, and I, I just, I decided, ah, I'm fucking sick of this, to be honest with you. And uh, it was at that moment that I got an opportunity to start Block Rock and Beats. Block Rock and Beats was an idea that was in my head, realistically, probably since the, the 90s. Um, I always had this, idea in my head that you could create a dance music show that was on the radio that didn't take itself too seriously uh, that played banging tunes and it had a, a live show to it as well that was you know that was out there that was sort of prodigy-esque so that it wasn't sort of perfect there was the dj there and he was playing tunes and twiddling knobs and all this kind of stuff but it was gritty and probably brought in that sort of late 80s rock heavy metal sort of buzz that I was into when I was literally 11 so um, yeah it was actually when I was at probably my, my lowest in terms of becoming disillusioned with the music industry that block rock and beats happened I think being, being honest with you I've never really spoken about it I think um, I stopped caring and it was probably the lack of care I used to take myself too seriously I'd be like over analysing everything I was doing and then Ava was born, my little daughter. So she was born in 2017. And when she arrived into my life, I was like, this is what it's all about. And then I stopped being a yes man and trying to please everyone and thinking I had to do this or read that or do that ad or go to that event, you know. And uh, I went, fuck it. If I'm going to keep up in radio and I'm going to keep DJing, I'm going to do something like. So um, I put together and I sat in my back garden at my lowest point. I was like... And I had a, had a, I can still see it. I had a, a bit of pen, a bit of, and a, and a paper, and uh, pen and paper, and a cup of tea, and I wrote down an idea. Um, and I, 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 I phoned my mate Dave Moore, who was, who was on Today FM, and I said, I have this idea. Uh, have a listen to it. I just, I burned his ear for a half an hour, and he says, I love it. Um, and I said, Will you, will you put a word in for me? <laughs> I said I'm available. I was, you know, I was I was working elsewhere at the time, and I uh, uh, and I said, uh, um, will you put a word in? He he got onto the, the the boss at the time in, in Today FM. I met her for a coffee, and I got offered a a, a slot, and they went off. You go do your thing and see. What, and that's that slot was midnight to two o'clock in the morning, Friday night into Saturday morning. And again, something I've never spoken about, but I did it for free. I said I don't want any money. 
So just let me go in and just let me prove to you. Today FM were, uh, at the time, very rock-driven, very guitar. And uh, I was like, here's this lad coming in here talking about a dance show. Um, so I, I said, give us, give us a slot and I'll just, I'll, I'll prove to you that it'll sound good. And you took no money for it? I took no money and I intentionally didn't. I was like, I don't, I don't want an ask. I don't, I don't want to prove a point really. I, I, I was, yeah. And, and uh, you know, um, I'd worked hard with gigs and, and, and things like that. So I, I knew I was financially comfortable for a few years or maybe mm. a year. I don't know, depending on how life went. But uh, I, I just, I, I, I said to her, um, I said, Let, just give me the slot and I'll, I'll, I'll do it for free. And, and I went in and I used to come in. Ava was only a couple of uh, weeks old. And uh, I used to come in on a Friday evening, Friday night. There was no dance music on, on the Today FM system at all. So I used to bring in a bag, old school bag of CDs, uh, a, a USB loaded with, with, with tunes. And um, I've, got, I've, I've built my own library of, of, of tracks now on, on the Today FM system. Um, but I used to come in uh, at about nine o'clock. I'd work for a couple of hours getting the, the music ready. And then I'd go on air at, at midnight and do midnight to two o'clock in the morning and go home go to bed and then Ave be awake, you know what I mean, on the, on the, the, the Saturday morning first thing. But, um, and it, it proved really popular. I know it sounds mental because it was, it was one o'clock in the morning, but it yeah. had this sort of, people that were working late night shifts, taxi drivers and all that kind of stuff, they could, they could see the feedback. And then they gave me a, a, a slot doing Saturday uh, evening. And that was the first time that Today FM had embraced dance music in mm. their sort of daytime It almost slot. sounds like you were trying to prove that point to yourself, not yeah. even anybody else. Yeah, possibly. Like, this is going to fucking muck. Possibly, to be honest. And I'm going to show yeah. everyone. Yeah, I, 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 ha- I hadn't, until you actually got, you guys asked me, I hadn't really thought about it too much in, the, in that much detail, but but yeah, I think I probably was, to be honest with you, but I, 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 I've said this to people before, the less fucks I give, I, I gave, the more confidence I had. I felt like I, I used to be always worried about what people would think uh, how I'd come across, what if I failed? <gasps> what if I failed? Who gives a fuck? Try it. Do you know what I mean? Just give, give, it, give mm. it a bash. Give it a bash. The, the worst thing you can do is, is, is not try it. Then you'll never know. Yeah. So it was that attitude. And I kind of still have it, to be honest with you. It's, 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 even though the Block Rock Beast thing has snowballed and, and all that, uh, I still have that, that attitude and, and I hope I, I, I never lose it, to be honest with you. Yeah, so you know? it's that like, what if I failed? Yeah, but what if I walked out? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, we, the, the the block rock and beats thing then sort of again that sort of naturally snowballed. Like I, they gave me the Saturday evening show. I, again, I wanted to prove a point there. I obviously did. Then they ended up giving me a Friday evening slot, and that was big because I was in the weekday thing. I was coming on after Matt Cooper, mm. so he'd be talking about all this serious stuff, and the next minute <laughs> I was coming on playing Rack of Up and the <laughs> yeah. Prodigy and all this sort of stuff. So, but it it is it, it was going it was going well, and it was it was doing this, and it was it was it was doing its thing. And then lockdown kicked in and I didn't know what to do because I, there was a momentum going. We had started live shows. Yeah. We'd, started we'd, the, we'd seen an electric picnic that 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, yeah. that was like, that was a late one as well. That yeah. was like, we were floating through the woods and yeah. it was just fella jumping around on the That's stage. That's right. Yeah. In there, like, yeah. And that was 2019 yeah. and then lockdown kicked in. Then. That's right. And I, I actually think the, I, I initially when, when lockdown kicked in, I, I remember sitting at home going, oh, shit like what because like I'd lost everything I'd, I'd, I'd you know uh, the, the gigs were all gone and I we, we were just about to announce a gig with Maxi Jazz who was mm. Atlas, who was yeah. like my hero Huge. and I, I'd worked, I'd worked yeah. that's just one of the weird 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 regrets 
is is that you know and but it, then then he passed away so I was like oh, I always God. said I wanted him on the podcast but I always day ever, one. I always only ever said it to Terence yeah such day a, one he always such said a it. mind like an incredible like mm. poet an incredible thinker you know but uh, actually 28 years ago today that they released uh, Insomnia is it today mm, I've seen it with that today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> massive tune I mean mm. that's just that, that that was one of the I mean obviously the obviously the, the, the prodigy stuff and the early rave stuff but I remember here in Insomnia around about 1995 and it was just the most breathtaking song I'd ever heard I remember I could still visualise I remember on the video him running through the flats yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's all in black and white running through the flats in slow motion yeah. I remember seeing that when I was like young like about four or five but a, a, yeah, a mate of mine who was my mate at the time he was a, he was a DJ in, at one of the rare times that I was on the dance floor uh, Andy Preston he, he played it uh, in, 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 a, in a club and I stopped what I was doing and I went straight up to him and I was like what the fuck is that? And he says, Faithless and Somni. And then they had Salva Me and all that. But um, but yeah, so yeah, it, it, lockdown kicked in. Yeah. And then I didn't know I didn't know what was, was going to happen. I thought I was going to lose my radio show. I thought I was going to lose the thing. But this weird, weird thing happened where people were suddenly trapped in their house. They were trapped in their house. They were trapped in their back garden. They didn't know what to do. If you cast your mind back to it, it was a fucking nightmare. Mm. Um, and... This thing, sort of, Block Rock and Beats on a Friday evening on Today FM kind of gathered this weird cult status where I'd be sitting at home and people would be tuning in on a Friday night and literally creating nightclubs in their house. Like this kitchen disco phenomenon kicked in and there were people who I knew who had ordered in disco lights and smoke machines and suddenly I was getting videos of parents with their kids and they were having a rave in the kitchen or the back garden or whatever. And it became this cult thing. And people used to be on to me during the week going, can't wait for Friday night. Friday night's when the week stops being shit and we can have a, you know, our, our kitchen disco or whatever. So th- th- this, this built up during lockdown. And then when lockdown ended, I had so much time to think. I, I recreated the, the, the live show and we put it on sale and it sold out like within minutes, the whole tour across Ireland. And, and, and here we are now. And it's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, like it's been a life-changing experience that I never thought would would have would have happened and you know we've we've done gigs now at a, we've done we've done massive stages at Electric Picnic and mm. Fairview, Fairview Park and I still haven't been to one but yeah, every video were, I see I just live with regret that I'm not there <laughs> and uh, that's well, not licking ass or anything yeah. you just need to see the videos and like every video I see, I just think to myself, oh, I would give anything to be there. But that's what I wanted like, to create. I wanted to create a, a show that was 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 going to bring people in at a, at, a, at a normal time. So people still ask me when he's on stage. I go, we're on stage the whole time at concert times. So it's it's a it's a concert experience. So you, you bring people in. We're on stage at nine o'clock. We absolutely punch them in the face for an hour and a half of mm. visuals and tunes and that. Um, and it's an escape and the radio show the, the live show I wanted to create something that was an escape from reality you're having a shit week in work you're a bit down <clears> blah 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 come to Black Rock and Beats and just let your hair down and people go to me I'm too old you, you could, we, we've got a cross section I've got teenagers in Fairview Park uh, who weren't born their parents were kids you know when, when, and then you've got people up and I swear to God I, I, I was looking into the crowd and I spoke to people afterwards and there was there was 16, 17 year olds and then there was also like 60-year-olds. Yeah. And no trouble, just, you know. But this is something that, that started 
it was it was very organic. There was no budget. I had no money to, in, in, to invest back into it. So the money that I made from, you know, a show two years ago was thrown back into the next one. And even still, you know, if, if, there's, if there's a money to be made or if there's a profit or wherever I go, put that into the visuals. And we're trying to build the, the visuals to, to match the big acts. But there's no big financial support or people pumping money into it or, you know, we don't have a big establishment behind us. Um, so it's, it's been very organic and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. So, But the, um, even like, not just the songs and everything, the energy. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God. When I, you see like you bouncing around the stage and it's yeah. just, it just looks crazy. I think it was part, that was like, that, that's, and that's, that's all pure natural because I, I, I kind of gotten disillusioned and tired of, of DJing. I, I've been offered gigs just to, to DJ by myself and I just, I'm at an age now where I just, I don't really want that. And I, it's not really who I am. And I think there's so many incredibly talented DJs who do that so much better um, that I wanted to just create a, an experience with people. Um, and that's why I love having the, the, live, the live band yeah. and, and that. Mm. And we're going to layer that as well. And we've brought in the keyboard player. We've brought in um, the, the girl that does the violin and all that. And we're just trying to make it bigger and louder and, and, and a better mm. better experience every time. But yeah, it's been an amazing journey. So. Uh, I was actually at your gig in Wexford. It was the that was the weekend they done the triathlon. Mm. Remember, there was a big storm on, yeah, so we didn't, right. yeah, we didn't even know if we were gonna go, and you didn't even know if the gig was going ahead. No, I didn't. So we uh, did a sound check. We did a sound check at six o'clock, and there was people queuing, and I was like, "This is mental," because normally you do a sound check at two o'clock, and there's like hours in between for people to find. But the, the, as as it turns out, that particular one, they they were keeping me in the dark about it, but. At one point, it was called off. Yeah. And they were like, don't tell Dick, because you get stressed. And I was here, like, you know. But uh, that was that was a while. That was that. So uh, I rock up to the gig, and you saw it was out with backstage passes. Yeah. And you were like, just go into it. There's a little, uh, like, tent go in back there. And I was like, yeah, grand. I walk in, open the door, Paul McGrath stand in front of me. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And he was like, how are you? And I was like... Brian, yeah. What you doing Monday at half? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I was, I was just like, it's fucking insane to Amy then. I was like, it's fucking Paul McGrath. Paul McGrath. That, was then, a, that was a bad backstage because you were there. Oh, Mark no. McCabe was back there. Paul McGrath so, was back there. Dick comes out and he's like, how are you? Have you met Paul? It's like, Grant, open the door. Mark McCabe walks in then. And I was like, what the fuck? It's like the bleeding. That's some back four. Literally, some back four. <laughs> if I wasn't such a shit footballer, it would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, but, yeah, no, Paul became a pal of mine. Paul became a pal of mine. About ten years ago, and we're like we're we're, we're best pals now. So he comes anytime I'm do we're doing Wexford, he, he he pops in. It's just a villa connection, is it? Yeah, it's actually started. We we did, I I organised uh, about fourteen years ago, maybe uh, I organised a football game for uh, Temple Street Children's Hospital, and I I got onto Paul. I phoned him totally out of the blue, and I said, "Hey Paul, you don't know who I am. Uh, any chance you play?" And he played, um, and I just got on with him. I I got I got on with him so well, and you know, Paul has his demons and um you know um it was something that I was familiar with in in my personal life but uh, not not me personally but um so I I just couldn't help but fall in love with Pomegranate. Uh so you know instantly the, the minute I met I met him I obviously adored him as a player but as as a human I I saw his his weaknesses and and that, and and uh, I just absolutely fell in love with him and and he trusted me and that is still one of the biggest compliments that that you know um, that anyone could pay is to someone like Pomegranate to trust you because there's so many people that you know would be willing to take advantage or exploit or you know mm. whatever the case is. Oh, but, but Paul is Paul is I you know 
I absolutely love Paul McGrath so much. Um, and he's got some incredible friends. He lives in Wexford, um, Pat and Tracy, and they're his, they're his best pals and they look out for him and they kind of act as, as managers. But yeah, but Paul was there. Paul, Paul comes to the gigs. He loves to, he tunes into the radio show quite a bit as well. So he's, yeah. he's, he's into his tunes. Yeah, and then leave Mark McKay walks in there and I was like, <laughs> oh mate, you don't even get me started on you. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was some crack. It, it was, it was, it was some crack, and it was bizarre knowing that the likes of Mark. Because sometimes when you're, you're doing a gig, it's 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 nearly it's really nice to forget or not to know that 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 people are are in the crowd that you sort of you, you look up to or you respect because it's it's much easier to, to to zone out or whatever and take that. Uh, Brian Fenton texted me before we were going on on at uh, Electric Picnic. I was ah, like, oh, Brian, did you have to text me that? <laughs> and I was just thinking about him in the crowd. I knew you were out there as well. So <laughs> sometimes it's better if you just if you just pretend that. It's just like a wallpaper in front of you. you no know? pressure then. Yeah, no, yeah pressure. no pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that electric picnic set was special as well. Like I remember there's people there who didn't see it before and everyone was like, hey, what the fuck is this? Like, this is unbelievable. Considering yeah. like there was a great lineup in EP this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with dance music and you just blew, you just blew it out of water. Like, so. it, 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 was a, it was a really special gig. It was, it was quite an emotional gig um, because I've, I've had my own health scares this, this year. Um, so uh, to come back and to be able to, to, to do live, live sets, um, that was the last gig that we were going to do before I actually had nothing booked in, we, we do now. We've got stuff at the end of December, but uh, in my head, that was the, the end of the year. Um, and uh, it was to actually manage to get on stage uh, was was it was it was a big thing and a big emotional moment for me. So, but again, I had to try and keep my emotion on, on, under check. But it was it was a emotional special night for 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 myself and my family. You know, mm-hmm. can you touch on that? Dick? What actually happened? You said you had a health scare this year. Yeah, um, I had um, a brain hemorrhage in 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 February. Um, uh, it's called a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Um, it's essentially a bleed uh, in the brain, sort of between the, the the brain and the skull. That sort of that that sort of area. Um, and yeah, it came it came out of nowhere. Um, I'm an extremely healthy fella. I um, I look after myself so well eat well, don't drink much, don't do drugs, take me vitamins, you know, eat me porridge, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, and even around gigs, I, I look after myself and the gigs are spaced out. I actually have, I actually have a few people saying that <laughs> dance music caused the hemorrhage. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, lads. But no, I, I said, yeah, sub- subarachnoid hemorrhage uh, in, in, in February. Um, I came back from, I, I my routine during the week is, it's quite the same, you know, because I've got my gigs are pocketed into certain times uh, and I have the radio show. So I have a lot of time to do the school run in the morning and to pick up Ava and all that sort of stuff. So I dropped off Ava. Um, my, 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 my days, I textbook, I dropped off Ava to school, came back, um, got into a couple of emails, had my, my porridge. And then what I normally do is, you know, around about sort of half 11 or whatever, I down tools, nearly turn my phone off. And then I go and, and I, I used to go for a run the whole time. And I felt that was great. Used to clear the head, give me a bit of more energy, and I pick her up from school and all that. But um, I was out for my, my normal run. Um, and I live in Ringsend, and I was I was going down. I normally go down around by Sandy Mount, come back up, and I was coming up Bath Avenue. Um, thank God, close enough to my house, and uh, it was like a bomb went off in my head. Like it was like an like an explosion. Um, I haven't actually really spoken about this with anyone, to be honest with you. So um, it's kind of emotional for me, to be honest with you, to talk about. But um, take your time, Dick. Uh, yeah, it was like it was like a it was like a bomb went off in my head, uh, and I just remember coming over the bridge there, uh, um, 
in Bath Avenue, and and uh, I just feel feeling the back of my head. I'm doing that now, but uh, and I knew there was it was something different. But again, in the moment, your adrenaline is gone, and, and I said, oh, "It must be just a headache." And I remember looking around to get reassurance from other people because I nearly felt like everyone should have felt it. I was like, "Is everyone feeling this?" Um, and everyone just walked by and was. Uh, anyway, I I kept I kept jogging, um, and I, I, I the endorphins obviously kicked in, and 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 uh, and I got back to the house. I, was like, I got to the door and I opened the door and I went in. And it was only when I got back into the house that I was familiar with my surroundings that everything felt extremely strange. I remember going over to the bed, um, and I remember checking my phone, and. Uh, and then as I looked down, I felt the pain going from the back of my head right the way to the front of my head and back like a, like a visor going out like that. And I kept going, I went, fuck. And I remember falling back on the bed um, and I, I genuinely, in that moment, there was a split second where I actually said, I'm, I'm actually gonna die. It was, it, I said, this is, this is a big moment. Dick, this this is something's something. I said I'm either having a stroke and I'll be lying here for I don't know how many hours, or I'm going to have a massive heart attack or something now. So I, but something happened. I don't know where I got the strength from, but um, it was like rising from the dead, and and I just I forced myself back up, uh, completely against the wish. So my, my body just wanted to just close my eyes and just fall asleep or whatever. I don't know. The pain was so much. Um, and I, I managed to get my phone. I took it out and I sent two WhatsApps. I sent um, a voice note to my sister and my wife. And I said, uh, guys, if you get this, just down tools and come back to the house. Uh, and I hope I'll be, and if, if I'm not awake, just force the door open. So um, thankfully my sister lives around the corner from, from me and she was at home. Uh, she's a cardiologist. She's, she's amazing what she does. Um, but she, she came over to the house and she observed me for a while. Um, and then I, I, th I thought I was having a migraine. I don't know. I was, I, I, all this sort of stuff. So um, with, with a head trauma, um, you vomit nonstop. Like, so the vomiting then started. And then they knew there was, there was some, my, my wife got back then as well, thankfully. So I, I was in, in, in good hands. Um, my sister went off to pick up Ava. Um, and I remember at the time, all I wanted to do was fall asleep. And I often have reoccurring nightmare that, you know, what if I did? Um, but when the vomiting started, they, they, they eventually called uh, the ambulance. The ambulance was down quick enough. And then before I knew it was in the back of an ambulance, I was like, you know, well, I was still, I was still very lucid and I was, I was in the back of the ambulance cracking shit jokes with your man that was, that was, that was, I was puking into the thing and I was wearing my Aston Villa jersey because I was out for a run and your man was telling me that Villa were shite and I was like, oh, I know they're shite. <laughs> and, uh, mm. So I, I ended up in, in A&E pr pretty quickly. Um, uh, they, they, they had a look at me. They, they sent me for a scan and I remember the, 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 the first girl that came over to me, nurse, and I still, I, can't, I don't, don't know her name. I wish I did. She's like an angel. She came over to me and she, she said, you're going to end up in Bowman tonight. So I got the scan. They 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 found the blood um, at the, the back of my head, um, and they brought me straight into critical care in um, in Beaumont Hospital, um, and I was in critical care for um, about two weeks. 
before I was I was discharged. So I, I ended up going in for an angiogram. So it was cameras put inside and brought up to the brain. And I have this, it's, it's a non-aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhage, which basically means that the brain looked perfect, but there was blood discharged. So there was blood at the back of the brain. Um, but what that means is that they couldn't find the source of the bleed. So, the, you know, with some hemorrhages, they go in and they'll find a ruptured vessel or whatever that has been clearly pumping out the blood. But they couldn't find anything with me. And this is a thing. Um, so it came with good and bad news. Um, you know, the, the, the good news was that my, my, my recovery would be successful. Um, but the bad news was that, you know, they they couldn't tell me why it happened. And this is something that happens. It's, it's, a, it's a common common thing. Um, I'd never heard about it before in my life. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, was, I was in uh, the critical care ward. Um, so, Dick, do they not know the source? Like, what caused it? No, it was described it's to me. To day, like. Yeah, yeah. But they, 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 they've said that the, 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 the chances of it reoccurring again are, are, are slim. I, I was told you will be eventually able to get back on with your normal life. <laughs> I was like, what? You know? But it, they, they described it as basically like, you know, uh, uh, I remember I visualized it in my head because you're trying to. Um, and it was like, they were like, you know, uh, this vessel popped out, went, whoosh, shot blood into the, into the, into the area between your brain and your skull and then retracted back into your brain. So I, that's not very, very reassuring. But, um, but yeah, um, but the, 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 they weren't able to tell me and I, I, was, I was in the, the critical care. So they had to monitor me, obviously, um, and make sure because the, the chances of it happening again are, are, are quite common in the, the immediate hours and, and days afterwards. So there was a huge amount of, of, of monitoring um, and pain control. And I was basically told that your body will eventually self-heal. The blood will be reabsorbed by your, by your body, basically. But, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a very the, the, the pain. By the way, I kind of it's kind of why I wanted to talk about it was because, you know, for anyone that maybe experiences it, um, people have asked me, is it like a headache? I, no, this is not like a headache. This is like someone repeatedly hitting you over the head with a hammer, um, and uh, hitting your brain specifically the soft tissue. I used to describe it as like the, 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 the I get pain relief from from certain medication, you know. Um, there's a drug called Corral, which was the only thing that worked for me. And you'd get mild relief from it. And then, you know, four hours or whatever, or five hours later, it was like, I used to describe it as the headless huntsman was coming back over the hill, swinging an axe, and he was just lashing it, lashing it off, off my head. Um, and at one point, I actually took a photograph of myself because at one point the pain was so strong. Uh, I still have that photograph. Um, I don't think I'll ever release it in a weird way, but I, I remember... I was, I sent it on to Kate because I was like, I don't know what's going on, but like my, I, I was paralyzed with the pain. So, and I actually, my face felt disfigured with, with, with how sore it was. I took a photograph of my face, a selfie, just to see if my face actually was disfigured. But uh, to sort of, to try and combat what was going on in my head, you know, the monsters that were, because I was sitting in the bed and I had no mirror, it's a bit around me. So, so I, I did that, but it was, um, it's been a very challenging, it was a very challenging time. Um, it was a very challenging time for my, 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 my family because my wife was called in. I have to say my, my family from my parents to my sisters to my aunties and uncles and 
but uh, but especially my my wife um, and my daughter as well. They've they've been through a lot. My wife was was brought in. I didn't she didn't tell me this until weeks afterwards, but she was brought in and she was told like this was this didn't look good, and you know he might not make it, and if he does, he might have brain injury. Um, and she had to leave the hospital at whatever time it was, four or five in the morning. And she she doesn't know how she drove home. She got home eventually and she went back to a silent house because our daughter was in with, we, with her grandparents. So, but uh, yeah, to see to, to see my family, re I, my family's reaction to it um, was... Uh, it's crazy though, like that only happened in February, which is nine months ago. I would never yeah. think it. Like looking at what you do, like you I bounce know. around on the stage for a living. I know. And you'd never think this. Yeah. Did they operate? Was there any procedure done on you? Like, or do they just bring you in and scan you and then? They scanned. If if I had, if if there was an aneurysm um, that they could operate on, they would coil it or whatever. They 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 basically stitch it back up and and then there'd be a huge recovery process there. I mean, like years and years and years. You know, uh, again, I don't want to speak out of turn because because everyone's is different. The the the, the brain is such a sensitive part of your body and it controls everything. And I've become aware of my brain to a level I was quite nearly happy being blissfully unaware of, yeah. you know, how, how, how powerful it is and, and how much you should look after. But, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, it's, it, it's, um, it, I, I had to, I had to, just re recover myself um, and um, I was told my, my, my body would naturally recover but I had like there was there was fluid that had gone from my brain down into my nervous system so like I couldn't walk for ages uh, I was bedridden for they, they actually had me in hospital they wouldn't let me move out of the bed for a, a good week um, and then uh, even when I was discharged uh, I, I, I struggled to get up and down the stairs and do do, do basic stuff so I, I was the the pain was was all over all over the body, but um, yeah, I I suppose I'm I'm quite a weirdly determined person, and uh, I, I I I was determined to get back doing something. Uh, when I knew that I was gonna recover, I was always obviously very careful. I was I was resting and all that sort of stuff, and there were certain things I couldn't do because of the pain I was in. But one thing that I I don't know if it was the right thing to do at the time, but it was. It felt like the right thing to do. It was my my my, my body was telling me to. Uh, I wanted to go back in and I wanted to 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 do the radio show. So um, they they allowed me come in and my wife came in with me and she sat with me and I pre-recorded the, the the radio shows. But that for me was therapeutic. It was yeah, it was it was it was therapeutic. It was something that I I felt at the time that I that I needed to do um for my my my, my sanity because i didn't know how long i was like what, what am i going to do the people were like no don't do that stay at home and da 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 and i was like well, i do what just fucking sit there like just just sit on the bed and, and and blah i was like no i i i i want to i want to try and do something you know and it, there was baby steps so i used to get a taxi in or kate would drive me in and I, looking back in this i probably went back too soon um but again i felt it was the right thing i wanted to i wanted to to look after my, my mental health. I was, mm. I, was I was afraid. I've spoken to experts about it and that the professor who was my, my dedicated guy uh, when, I, when I was discharged and he actually praised me for my mentality to try and get back doing stuff again because he said some people in your position decide not to do anything and then what happens is time evolves and then you 
you, you, you find yourself in a situation whereby you, you can't do stuff or you're afraid or you, 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 get, you get a phobia about stuff. So he said, although it probably seemed mad at the time, he's like, it, it wasn't a bad thing to do. I used to get, obviously, expert opinions. So I wasn't going stupidly, like, you know, putting the plug and going off and doing my radio show. But um, it was very much a, a, a choice. And um, But everyone's, everyone's different and everyone will have a a different story but that was just how it felt for me what was the rehab like what was the plan they put you on um there wasn't um i, I had a follow-up I've, and i i will have more follow-up scans but i was told to rest not to drive um sleep drink lots of water blah blah, blah. and basically the, the blood that was surrounding you know my, my my brain would be reabsorbed by the body and and that the, nat- the natural heating process would, would 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 happen and um and, and that that is still ongoing now. I I've put off coming in here to chat to you guys. Yeah. Um, I've turned down every interview that I've been asked to do, um, and I've still kept work to a basic. Even though you'll see me on stage doing that, but before I go on stage, I'm sitting in a quiet room. When I'm finished doing the the, the, the gig, I come out and I'm sitting in a in a, in a quiet room. Well, ha- what the 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 process for me now of of healing is is it's like I suppose if you're if you imagine your brain being so sensitive. It took a hammering. Your body took a hammering. Um, and you've got to just let that muscle re- re- recover. That You guys got to let, let the brain recover. And what I get now is I get sensory overload issues, mm. um, fatigue, dizzy spells, uh, where I just have to remove myself from, from a situation and, and that. Um, I'll probably be absolutely bollocks after this interview, but I'm so happy that, that I came in to, to, to do it. Um, one of the, the hardest part for me in, in my recovery after the pain had eased was um, the why. Why did it happen? I would say there's so much trauma involved with yeah. thinking about why it happened yeah. and if it's going to happen. And it's so going to happen again. Involved there, like. I, 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 I said to Kate the other day that um, I haven't had the balls to go back out running on, on, on the street like I used to. I used to love going out on Sandyman Strand and that kind of thing. And um, I've gone into, I've, I've joined a gym um, that, that, that I use and that's kind of my, my, my comfort zone. And um, I take comfort in the fact that there are people around me. Um, and I said to Kate the other day, I was trying to explain it. I was like, if I fall over, at least there'll be people around this time. I, I, I don't have the balls. I, I, often, I often think to myself, um, if I had been a couple of miles away from the house when it happened. What, what happened? Like, you know, yeah. if I was out, down at the Marion Gates or whatever and I had to get had to nearly run 3k to get back to my house what like you know I didn't have my phone with me so um, there's nightmares there's recurring nightmares about what happened um, and uh, you know a, a, a fear of, of doing certain things or if I do something I make sure that I have an area that I can go to to rest afterwards or that I have time off afterwards to, to, to rest and recover so yeah it's um, but the the psychological part of it, and I suppose maybe I've I've chosen. There there are certain things you can do. I've, I do acupuncture um, and things. There's probably certain people I could probably talk to about that. But I've chosen to this point to 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 do it myself and to self process it. Um, and you know, I've I've since I've since I I because of the block rock and beats following following um um and i i vanished which i i hadn't actually taken a day off the show in, in 6 years and uh, when i vanished i knew i had to address i had to talk about it so when when i when i when i spoke about it afterwards the amount of people that reached out and said this has happened to me and i actually 
end up chatting to a few of them and there's like there's a lot of uh, comfort you take from other people's stories and uh, that, that, that I've gone through it so um, but yeah the why will live in me for, for, forever but uh, slowly but surely you, you go back in Fairview Park was my first gig back um, and my poor mum was in the crowd and she was so stressed my wife God bless her is constantly stressed about me but uh, but yeah I, w- I wanted to get back in I wanted to again probably prove a point um, that, 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 that I can and I, but I never wanted sympathy I never wanted to be sitting back going oh deck oh gosh you know oh, we won't do that gig we can't do that gig I felt in my heart I, I could do them and you know if I failed so be it, but at least I was going to try it. So I, I did Fairview Park and I've managed to do, but after the gigs, there could be a week of recovery, you know, where you're disorientated and you want to go and sleep and you're dizzy. Sometimes when you're walking, you, you know, it feels like your feet are a mile apart. You're like stay puff marshmallow man walking down the street, but you're looking at your feet and they're actually working perfectly. Um, and exercise has helped. So I, you know, I've often gone to the gym when I'm feeling like that and I'm feeling dizzy and sensory and I go and I have a jog and the first part of the jog is, is really tricky for me. Uh, and then I slowly get back and I, I, yeah. I, 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 I get my rhythm back. So, But again, like the Fairview gig was like in the summer, the start of the summer. Now, it was, know? yeah. It was and like that happened in February. Yeah, it was June. Yeah. I, I, I'd taken my first flight as well. All these big landmarks, you know. And it was so soon though. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. In, in, inside, I was nervous. Inside, I was, I was shitting a brick. Yeah. I was shitting a brick getting on the flight. We, I went, we went on holidays on our, our first holiday. But... um. Uh, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to show that. And I suppose the hardest part for me was dealing with my daughter. You know, I I, I never wanted her to see the mm. the, the fear, and uh, she couldn't come in to see me in, when I was in hospital. And um, yeah, that that image of 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 her doing a do, doing a FaceTime with me, and suddenly I was in hospital, and there was there was stuff attached to me. Uh, that that'll haunt me for a while, but she's been amazing. Um, she's she's been so strong. Uh, I know I know what's on her mind. I know she's very aware of it, mm. and she but she wants to compartmentalize it. And I try and talk to her about the odd time, but but I I have to just I have to mention my family and you know my my wife, my daughter, and, and my, my, my 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 family just been they've they've been through it all with me, mm. um, and the, but they've they've been they've been so supportive. So. Yeah, well, as you said, it is a long road, and hopefully the, the scans come back with a bit more clarity. Yeah, going forward. Yeah, so 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 far so good. Um, but uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Like I know you're mentioning how soon after, and I know you were kind of saying about like you probably did rush back into it as well. But that's just the drive and determination to keep on going and fucking be strong. That not many people in the world fucking have. Like you know what I mean? That's traumatic. Like really traumatic what you went through. Like. Yeah. And I think the reason you got back so soon was just down to pure drive and determination. It was yeah. It was just something that I wanted to prove me to to to, to myself that mm-hmm. I that, that I could do, mm-hmm. um, and I I I hate people feeling sorry for me. Um, so I found that part. It was the frustration of, you know, not being able to do all the stuff myself. Uh, I'm very hands on. I, I love getting stuck in, whether it's to do at work or to do with my family. Um, so to 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 have to sit back um, was tough for me, and and still is, and I get very frustrated sometimes. But I'm learning, I suppose. It, the moral of the story is um, I'm learning how to live with the frustration. So the, the frustration used to get me down and I'd have to, you know, try and lift myself back up again. But I'm learning how to live with the frustration. But I've, had, I've got an amazing team of people around me um, around Black Rock and Beats the live show and all that sort of stuff. And 
um, that has been great for me. So coming in and doing the show, the radio show, has given me great mental clarity and given me, you know, that lovely endorphin for sort of feeling, to feel that connect with, with, with the audience. And then the live shows, for the recovery that's needed afterwards, the buzz and the joy um, in doing them has just as, as far outweighed. Mm. You know. Yeah, I'd say I'm so but, grateful to be back doing gigs. Even yeah. like you said, like the small goals, you're getting on a fucking flight and stuff like that because you never know what way it's going to go. Exactly. It's like them things are so big now. It's like, what's the old saying? Like a healthy man wants a thousand things and a sick man only wants one thing and it's, it's just healthy. to be healthy. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. And it's so true. Like. No, it definitely, definitely, again, not that I really needed it, but maybe I did because we all do at certain points in our lives where you, you, you need to trim the fat of bullshit um, and uh, my, my, my bullshit filter is it's just gone so I, I don't have time for, for, for crap anymore and if anything you know if I could find a positive in it I'm really grateful for, for, for that you know I've, I've learned how to prioritise I know what's important in life now um, everything is a lesson deck you know what I mean? yeah, I've learned to say no to certain things Family is important. Your, yeah. your, your your health and your family and, and that is, is important. Everything else is is just is a bonus. And if you enjoy what you do and it's fun, that's 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 a bonus. Mm. Um, but the most important thing is 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 having your having your family. So yeah, the the bullshit factor has been trimmed massively, and if, and I'm grateful for that. Mm. Dick, we said uh, you had the best job in the world. You bounce around on the stage and you just play dance classics. <laughs> uh, we were talking before we uh, come on air there about how some people, you play a tune and some people have never heard it before and they're like, oh, is that a new tune? Or you might remix a tune or they hear a remix of a tune or remaster and they're like, what, what, what tune is this to hear this new tune? <laughs> and the example that we gave is that like we'd get sent videos of the, the theme tune for this song, uh, of this podcast is The Hip Knocker by Tom O'Gaffney, yeah. which is a, in itself a remix of the Broomstick song. And like there'll be people at like a festival in Thailand and they'll send us a video be like, last I'm playing your song here in Thailand and I'm like, it's not, it's not our song. Like, <laughs> it's you know what I mean? I know. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. get that. You get that. But that's like the 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 new wave of dance music. All the, the the new tracks that are out now. There's so much influence. I think it's coming full circle. I think in the '90s, obviously, you had that credible rave scene, and then it went through this flowery sort of pop era for a while around sort of 2000 or whatever. I think it's going full circle. It's come back in. Rave is big again. '90s influence rave is 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 huge. Uh, I released uh, SPQR Hypnotic State which is the higher song higher and higher yeah. <laughs> um, I, I ended up getting in touch with the producer he didn't realise how big that, 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 that track was here and it's, mm. it's, it's after coming back and it's getting getting legs again and, but, and people didn't even know it was a, was a track 30 years ago but yeah the, the old school influence is back and it's nice it's nice to see and there's some by the way we've got amazing talent in this country when it comes to dancing oh, huge. we have oh, huge. got some of the best and they were they were hidden and they were underground and they weren't taken seriously for a long time. And one particular person, I have to, around about the, the there's two people that, that, that came out of the Pleasant Street Youth Reach uh, conversation. Uh, you boys um, and another fellow called Robbie G. Um, and uh, I met Robbie in 2017 when he was literally a baby and it, one, of the most one of the most intelligent lads, but the most incredibly gifted dance music producers. And in my opinion, he set the tone. He set the standard for the next generation coming through. I mean, the stuff he's doing with Bissett, with, with Belters Only, is just mind-blowing. The likes of Jazzy and what they're doing and they're filling out three, three arenas. But I remember that people weren't taking him seriously and people weren't taking dance music seriously in Ireland. And now they cannot wait to get a part of the dance music scene. Record companies are signing up producers like it's just they're throwing out contracts like confetti. They can't mm -hmm. wait to get them all in because yeah. that's, that's, you know, so it's lovely to see dance music 
going back and it's lovely to see dance music being taken seriously on, 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 a, on, a, on a commercial level not on an underground level or not you can't play a dance song at 12 o'clock in the afternoon because it'll put people off listening no Fucking yeah, that's get some fucking yeah. in. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah no. FM are always playing dance classics first thing in the morning. That's what it is. That, that's dangerous. That's block rock and beats light. <laughs> yeah. I like the NFM. Yeah. I, I gotta sue them. Because yeah. <laughs> I won't go to work there. If you half eight in the morning and yeah, yeah. fucking look right through, Storm Queen comes on, I'm not going to work. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? But, but, but I, like, with, with the dance tunes and with, with block rock and beats, the amount of people that have reached out to me and who have told me that the tunes that are played on the radio show remind them of a certain time in their life or it's gotten them out of a, a time in their life where they were depressed. Mm. I get people telling me full, really deep personal stories about their life and depression they may have had, an illness that they've had and that they turn on the music, they turn on the tunes, they hear me talking shite about something that happened in 1995 and uh, it's a release. And that is... I, I know some music therapists and tell you what music is is a therapy and that's part of the success of 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 block rock and beats it's it's like a community and to the, the the emotion that music brings out i see it i see it at gigs but i, I also get the feedback i get videos sent in to me and i get people c- grabbing me after a show and going dick you've no idea i was really down and da, 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 i lost my job and you know listening to the tunes i'm like what like, because sometimes I come in and I think I'm talking to a microphone. I'm just, just sitting there in the studio and I'm just, I'm just and I sometimes I forget. You know what mm. I mean? You just, you, you, but when you get the feedback or you, you, you meet people and you realise how powerful music is yeah. as a drug, it's, mm. it's one of the strongest drugs you could ever take. So yeah. you're always trending, like, in, on Twitter. Every yeah, Twitter, yeah. You know, it's always that's trending. Just a, that's just a community that, like, of, of, of people that, 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 that tune into the show and they're tweeting about it and they're putting the hashtag on and, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been a, it's been a roller coaster yeah. of of a, of a journey because we've huge appetite for dance music in this country, and that's why I think what you were saying about your crowd is so old and young. Like young people are always going to love dance music, yeah. but the genre, like the era you play, is from the mid nineties onwards, and that's like people who like Hermes and Daz grew up in that era, yeah, yeah. so like it, it appeals to them. You know what I mean? So that's like, it. and then there's us in the middle of it. So like, you could have teenagers, you can have like late 20s early 30s and then people in their 40s and their 50s you just appeal to the whole broad but, uh, but again it's and it's 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 that lovely and it's i i get proud when i see it because I, I, I love dance music it's like it's 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 my it's part of my limbs like do you know what i mean mm. and, and i'm really proud of it and i loved that i loved the, the 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 raw 90s kind of stuff and then we became more more commercial but even for for someone like i don't know if you're, you're familiar with never mcguire the chef do you know Never Maguire? Uh, he's he's one of the one of the top chefs chefs in Ireland. He has he has a, a beautiful place. There's a like a Michelin star award winning restaurant. Blah blah blah. You would not think he was into dance music. He's a really he's uh, he was he was actually he was fifty there last week. Uh, he has the best collection of of dance music I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> and do you know something? He he's such a nice fella, and he's got such a you know a type of clientele that be into their gourmet food and blah 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 blah. And uh, he actually put the collection away into his attic. He didn't want to talk about it. He nearly felt there was that stigma about it, about, about dance music. And he said to me since that block rock and beats and openly playing dance tunes and talking about the dance scene and all that kind of stuff made him during lockdown <laughs> get his, his decks out mm-hmm. and, and all his, his, his record collection. Uh, and now he's back out and enjoying music. And, th- and that's, that, that's, what it, that's, what it, that's what dance music mm-hmm. is and that's what it, all types of music should be. Yeah. Um, you know, so. So we'll touch on the ragamuffin phenomenon then. 
Ragamuffin. So, yeah. <laughs> like I can't I can't play it without you getting tagged in yeah, it. Like, yeah. But it was so it was so nice to see you uh talking about it. Both these. Yeah, yeah. Particularly this fella here though, yeah. Calvin, because he's been out to be loads. Yeah, so the reason why is what, what's it with you, yeah. Yeah, so that song is I know it's gonna sound a bit contradictory and funny, but that song's my auntie's funeral song. Yeah. So my auntie passed away during COVID, like the height of COVID. It was like the end of May, start of June 2020. And it's not uncommon, but a lot of people pick the funeral songs. Yeah. And one of the songs she'd pick, she had a fucking playlist, which is weird because she died suddenly, do you know what I mean? Uh, she picked Run by Leona Lewis, which is a Snow Patrol song originally. Very sad song. Beautiful song. Yeah, it's expected Absolutely. to be sad. That's grand. And then the other song was Ragamuffin. So, uh she was getting buried up in Glasnevin Graveyard and uh, I'll never forget it because it was one of the lowest points in my life followed by one of the best points in my life. Like that I'll always remember so vividly. So obviously the the priest is saying a few words and the coffin's getting lowered down and like you're throwing your flowers down, everyone's throwing their flowers down. And I remember like I looked up and everyone had their head down, everyone was crying, everyone was consoling each other. Like my aunties, my uncle, all my cousins, my nana, my ma and dad, everybody. And I remember just feeling so bleak I remember like feeling hopeless and everyone was crying and it was the worst it's the worst day ever and everyone had to head down Leona Lewis is playing and it's on an amp my cousin's brought an amp to right. play the song and I remember that and everyone's just looking down I remember my missus had her arm around me and I remember just thinking like this this is shit like I just I couldn't think of any other word to describe but this is fucking horrible had me head down crying and that song plays out and then obviously Ragamuffin kicks in next and it's like uh, jump up now and if you don't make like, at me and I remember like getting a bit like I thought like oh, that's a bit funny isn't it like do you know what I mean like ragamuffins playing we're in a graveyard and I looked up but as I looked up a few other people kind of lifted their head and <laughs> is it okay to laugh is it okay to smile and yeah. with that then as it's kicking in like you can see a few shoulder rolls going a few people are two stepping there's a few claps going a few cheers and I remember the priest kind of had his head down and he looked up and seen what was unfolding and he was like, oh, I bet that go now. <laughs> but as he said that, like everyone's like, go on and they're cheering and all and the priest is gone. He's like a horse in the Grand National jumping over graves. He was out with her and everyone was cheering and the place was on wheels and rocking and I remember even like, my nana was smiling, do you know what I mean? And I remember thinking, this is what it's all a fucking belt, you know what I mean? So that song, like you know Ragamuffin, Ragamuffin was just huge. It's not even called Ragamuffin, it's, it's called not, I'm Happy. It's and called and I'm Happy. And, that's the, and it's the Ragamuffin Muffin Mercy remix or something it's called um, but that, yeah I've, I've heard Love Inc You're a Superstar as another one that I've often got people going it reminds me of Miami yeah it's a funeral Superstar is a funeral song that's a funeral song yeah I don't do you know when I'm out and I hear that song yeah. don't like it neither do I it just reminds me of a funeral that's yeah. interesting yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ragamuffin's the opposite yeah, yeah. Ragamuffin yeah, yeah. Rag like, reminds me of a party yeah well I, I, I put Ragamuffin as the first track it was there before we walked on stage in I, I played it backstage and I was especially for you Yeah. because I knew you were in the crowd and I was like I could hear it I get get a feel for it that was kind of like an, an underground anthem dubs love it for some reason yeah dubs if you go onto that if you type in ragamuffin i'm happy on youtube and look at the comments it's just all people from dublin yeah yeah it, which that, is crazy that ragamuffin, we spoke about it on the podcast and there was people texting us saying what's that from belfast and all people like yeah, never heard that tune that that must be a dublin thing and all. we were like what we were baffled yeah no no it is it's a huge dublin thing but that, that ragamuffin style of of rap or whatever it is that, that that's going on in that track uh, is is quite is quite popular with, with with dubs, and I remember doing a gig. I mean, look, we, I used to play it on the on the pirates, you know, the whole time, um, and uh, again, nobody knew the name of it. It was just ragamuffin, ragamuffin, yeah. playing ragamuffin, will you? And I, but I remember doing a gig in uh, Nafina GA Club around about nineteen. Um, 
1996 maybe or something. And I play, I must have played that track seven times on the same night, um, be purely because and I knew I could have played it another seven times and, and they would have loved it. And the place went absolutely nuts for it every single time. So, yeah, it's a double it's a double anthem and it gets a reaction. It does get a bit of confusion as well from people who are listening in other other parts. Because there's, there's a couple of anthems that are synonymous with uh, very various different areas like Cork. There's a, there's a track called uh, Roman Anthony Ball and Chain which, again, wasn't a massive tune for me, even though I love dance music so much. But if you play it in Cork, the venue goes insane. But Ragamuffin, yeah, it's just, a, it's a, it's like a Dublin national anthem. I, I can't explain why. And you can't get it anywhere. That's the problem. You have to get it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, ha- I, have it, I have it at home on, on, on vinyl um, and it's in immaculate condition. I was nearly going to bring it in tonight, but I didn't have the balls. I was afraid to drop it or something. Yeah, it yeah, needs to be put in a safe. It's immaculate and it's quite a, it's quite a hard track to get and it's 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 a particularly beautiful copy of it but uh but yeah and a a double anthem so when i saw you boys you you boys playing it actually you know the odd time with the podcast made it easier nearly for me to play it because i was getting requests for it on 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 the back of of people listening to your to your podcast so Mm, we've got to do we've got to do a remix of it all i don't know it's there's something about touching classics yeah, it doesn't doesn't sit well. Just remaster it. Don't even don't remix it. Just remaster yeah, it. Yeah, if I could it. do if I could do what I did with SPQR, SPQR Hypnotic State Higher. Uh, that that track was was sitting in, and and I, every time I played it on on, on the show, people, oh, will you play the higher song? Higher and higher and higher. Let the music take control. Um, and uh, I ended up so piss bored in lockdown. I, I remember spending years trying to find the producer of it, and no details details could be found online. They know who, uh, the record company went bang, the, the production company went bang, all that kind of stuff. I ended up finding him on Facebook. Um, a, his page was private, but he had a mixer as his cover photograph. And I sent him a message, a DM uh, during lockdown. And a month later, he wrote back. I, I wrote, I said something along the lines of, this is Deck Pierce here. I'm a DJ in Ireland, blah, blah, blah. Would you be any any chance be Federico de Giambattista who wrote... SPQR, so sorry if this is a really random message. You know, it makes no sense to you. A month later, he wrote back going, yes, I'm SPQR, uh, or I was SPQR in the 90s. How can I help you? Um, and uh, I sent him on a video of us performing it at Cork Opera House. And he told me he started bawling, crying. He, 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 the, the track had been forgotten. It was in his attic, in his parents' house. Um, he knew it was a, an anthem a little bit like Ragamuffin around about 1993. Um, and suddenly, this all this all these stories kept coming out about uh, he, he, he'd been over in Ireland in 93 and he'd played it. He'd handed it to Carl Cox and Carl Cox played it in a club in Belfast. And then suddenly the boys got gigs uh, on, the, on the back of it and it became a big hit on the, on the pirate scene. And I said, would you, would you go back in and, and remaster it? I said, you can't get a copy of it. It's impossible. Uh, and it never existed on, on Spotify or online. So we went back into studio. He re-recorded, he remastered the original stems and we released that and then we released, he wanted to do a more modern take where he got the, the stems and he made them sound better and he was never happy, happy with the vocals. So we released a, a radio edit of it with Leah Hart on, on vocal. So the traditionalists love the original version. Anyone that wasn't familiar with the, with the track, you know what I mean? A new generation were loving the fact that Leah Hart was singing on it. So that was, um, that's one of the proudest things I've ever done to be honest with you. Mm. So at least you know the scope there then for remastering some other classics. Yeah, I know. Look, it's it's crossed my mind now that we're speaking about it again. Maybe we maybe we should, you know, look yeah. into that and get a campaign around getting Ragamuffin back out there. But yeah, yeah. I, I have a copy of it at home. I'll, I'll give you a copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> a proper copy. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, I don't know what else really to touch on just other than your 
music is based off a certain generation and now it has me thinking as well because like I always think back to the summer of 2013 and how good the music was back then. I'm like, that's 10 years ago. So like that could nearly be incorporated as like fucking classics at this stage. You know? Oh yeah. No, no, I know it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Block Rock and Beats tends to sort of lean towards the the, the 90s and, and sort of the early noughties or whatever. Purely because that's what, what what they want to hear and, and, and the big tunes. But yeah, there's a whole new generation, you know. And yeah, I, I love hearing that, that you know, 2013 or whatever it was, mm. you know, mm. an era that, that, that you're into. But um, but yeah, look at And then the last thing I have to say is, what's the story with Maniac? You never play at your gigs. Because you and Mark were having a laugh and a joke about this, but I kind of half heard it. And I was like, I'd love to know what they were saying, but I don't want to be nosy. <laughs> well, so I'll just call you out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on the spot massively with that one. I became look at Mark. Mark would admit himself he fell out of love with that with that track. I suppose it was it was part of my life for so long that I was I was sick of it. Uh, Mark, I I'm one, Mark's one of my best pals. We we meet for coffee as often as we can. You know, this year has been an exception, I suppose, with, with my health and stuff. But um. But Mark fell out of love with it and it's actually given me so much joy to see Mark embracing it recently. I haven't actually said this to his face, so how are you, Mark? But um, no, I, to, to, to embracing it because it, it is a national anthem. I just felt, I felt for Black Rock and B-Side it just didn't, didn't fit the style and especially Maniac 2000. I keep getting asked for playing, to play Maniac 2000 and for me and for Mark even himself, that was the pop version of Maniac. Yeah. So Maniac to me, I would play the original version, which is the which is the SoundCloud remix. SoundCloud was Mark Cavan and Tim Hannigan, two amazing Irish producers. Um, version they, they did a remix of Four Rhythms Maniac. So Four Rhythm Maniac was the track. The DJs did the rap over it. I've done the rap over it myself. Maybe I'll do the rap over it. You know, at, at a gig sometime soon. But it's kind of just because it's it's Mark's thing. Um, I never felt comfortable just playing Maniac 2000 at a, at a gig. I don't like playing it on air. I've never played it on the radio show. I have played the forward the Maniac version of it. To me, that is that is the, the, that is the version, and it's to be accompanied by, you know, a live, you know, MC rap doing, you know, over, over the instrumental sections mm. that were that became famous for it. I do play forward the Maniac SoundCloud remix live from the Temple Theatre. That was the night that we recorded it in the Temple Theatre. I have the audio of that that we used to play out on Pulse and I play that on the show. And um, people, that, people that don't, aren't aware of that, you know, that's, that now people that wouldn't have heard it who were in Cork and Galway at the time who didn't, couldn't pick up Pulse FM because it was a Dublin station, you know, that's nearly like a new version to them. Do you know that kind of way? So um, that version feels authentic and real and that is who I am. And I suppose... I don't particularly like, I, I, I like block rock and beats being a reflection of my personality. I think, you know, it's important to stay true to, to, to who you are and, and, and what you believe in or whatever. So for me, Maniac 2000 just doesn't fit block rock and beats. Mark will admit that himself. And that's no disrespect to Mark because yeah. he's, Mark, by the way, is one of the most talented producers and one of the best DJs and one of the nicest fellas and his son is an Aston Villa fan as well. So <laughs> you got to love that. His wife's a Villa fan. So uh, like Mark is a, an absolute gentleman, one of the nicest fellas you'll ever meet. But no, you won't hear Maniac 2000 at a Block Rock and Beats gig. Maybe sometime if the, if the mood is right, you might hear a Maniac and you might hear me doing a rap over myself. But that's Mark's thing and he does it so well. And that's, you know, 
I, I, I do other stuff. Yeah, Eddie Sherlock's version of that on Friday night was very good. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Christ. really? Yeah, oh, yeah, he told us, he's like, I'll do a cover. And I was like, all right, do whatever you want. Then. Had you heard, like, did he play that earlier on today? Did you hear it? No. So we we didn't even hear that in soundcheck. And oh. I, I first time heard because he told us he's going to do Maniac. And I first time heard it was when he took the guitar out oh. and started to do Maniac in front of fucking 2,000 people. But like, the, the build up to it, well, there was nothing like Maniac. So you're like, what, what's he doing here? If you, there's, there's clips of him starting playing the guitar. And I was like, where's this going? And you can see then he starts singing. And look, I look at Molly, you look at me, Molly takes off down the stage <laughs> and he starts singing and the crowd just erupted. I was like, what the fuck is that happening here? It was sensational. It was unbelievable. It's, it's an amazing, it's, the whole concept of Maniac is, is an extraordinary, we, 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 we saw it. We saw it in the 90s. We saw, you know, with that, that live version in, in 1998 and we were so proud, you know, when it was released and suddenly everyone was loving that tune that was, you know, our song. On pulse, mm. and it was you know became kind of a, a, a thing. So, I'll I'll always love the track. I'll always be 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 be, be so so proud. Yeah, of it, but played at the end of every Irish wedding as well. That's that's the thing. Every Irish wedding, but but it 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 goes down a storm no matter where yeah. you play it. Yeah. No matter how old the audience is, <laughs> yeah. it's an iconic Irish national anthem. Yeah, of inexplicable proportions. Uh, but uh. It's brilliant. It, Actually, it's magic. It's magic the way it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know? A funny story about it. Uh, it must have been the EP in 2019. Mark played one of the smaller side stages. Yeah. And he's finishing up a set, and he's like, "Right, you have two choices now. I can finish up with I have a new tune coming out." And he went on a big spiel about it, <laughs> and he was talking for about two minutes about this new song, how he works so hard on it, and how he wants to release and give it a good push. Or I could play Maniac, and everyone just went Maniac, Maniac, Maniac. <laughs> and I remember he, he had the mic, and he was like, "But I played this the last time I played EP, and blah blah." I was like, "Maniac," and he went, "You motherfuckers!" I remember him saying that, and then he had to do it live, and everyone was like, "Yeah!" And I was like, "That poor fella trying to launch a new thing, new product, set on his heart and soul into." People didn't give a fuck. It's one of those things, and I remember when he released it. The success of it was was so was was just unbelievable, and he was offered a record contract on the back of it. And like, how do you follow up Maniac? Mm. How do you follow up Maniac? Do you know what I mean? Like, so that was that was an amazing. Thing. But we were so proud of Mark going off and you know doing his thing and getting that record released. Um, and uh, but Maniac is what it is. It's a it's a national anthem. Um, you'll hear it at so many gigs, but it's Mark McCabe's thing, and that's yeah. that's 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 what I love about it. All right, Dick. Uh, have you had you want to plug in here? Uh, no, no. I just came in for the chats with you lads. I mean, like you know, we 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 have gigs coming up at the at the end of December. We've 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 got they're, they're sold out. The Galway one in in Leisureland is sold out. INEC is sold out. And for me to be even saying that sort of stuff, I still go what? Uh, we were asked to do Collins Barracks um, on the thirtieth. That's that's part of the New Year's thing. And then next year we're doing uh, the Galway International Arts Festival in July. Um, and what else are we doing? The Docklands in Limerick in, in August. Limerick is a wild, wild, wild town. It was the first place we ever sold out a gig uh, when no one wanted to book us. And, you know, um, the, the Dolan family that run Dolans gave us their warehouse. We, we threw the, one of the first Block Rock and Beats gigs there. So Limerick is, is always a place that's, mm. that, that, that's close to my heart. So um, and we will, we, we want to do a couple of the festivals. Um, I want to keep growing the, the stage show. So every time you walk in, I want the people to walk in and, just get wow, what is going on there? That energy and that, and uh, yeah, we want we want to keep building it, but um, I just want to keep enjoying it. And every day is 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 a blessing, and um, I'm I'm so happy to be back doing what I'm what I'm doing after the year of being through, and so happy to be coming in chatting to you boys, and and thanks a million for having me. And honestly, I said at the at the start, congratulations on all your success. You're the two of the freshest bastards I've ever met in life. <laughs> I don't know how you've managed that, but I'll, I'll I'll get a couple of tips from you, especially when you have a kid. They've, <laughs> 
how do you remain fresh when you've got a kid? Um, and uh, but like what you're doing, the 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 live shows and the impact, and I I have to stress that as well, the impact that you guys have um, on on a whole different generation on on, on the youth coming through. And you know, all I know is firsthand uh, Pleasant Street Youth Reach, the kids in there absolutely adore you and look up to you. Um, so continued success in what you're doing and, and thank you so much this is the only podcast I've done the only po- podcast I will do and, mm. and it's, it's, it's an absolute honour so. it's an absolute pleasure Dick. thanks very much shout out Pleasant Street as well and uh, shout out to Lord and Carter it's our first time ever recording the podcast what a job yeah. what a job good big gig tonight so if you all good yeah, yeah Dick you're the fucking man thank you thanks, thanks for coming lads. in bro Parents thanks, Calvin. Thank you thanks very much you ready yeah. take us out Lauren boom subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app what you waiting for Put your back in it Just a little more Throw your whip in it now Fill your body up in Walk it hard and long When you finish that The Hip Knocker Come down, come down.